Welcome to the Bread and Circuses Podcast, brought to you by Digital Pizza, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns, and enjoy this shit show. again to the Bread and Circuses podcast. I am Rooster, here with Precious Moments collectible connoisseur, Crow. Hello. Do you have a big collection of them, or you just... I have a beautiful curio cabinet mm-hmm. with uh, about f- five tiers, multi-tiered. But do you go for the, just the quantity of them, or do you go for the quality? Uh, quali- I put them in the little, like, um, little scenes. Really? Yeah, and then I, I, I have lighting. I, I uplight them. Really? Yeah, it's beautiful. Do you have them like? I'll show them to you sometime. By holiday? No, I don't want to. I don't want to see where you live. <laughs> no thanks. I'll take you into my storage room too afterwards. I'll show you that too. <laughs> show you that big freezer I have. Yeah, why is it covered with tarps and stuff? <laughs> All right, we have stuff to talk about. As always, uh, I want to get into this Charles Lane article. This was sent by a friend and future guest on the show. Um, I'll just. Leave it at that. Charles Lane, who is an opinion writer for the Washington Post. You're going to have to excuse my terrible reading as I go through this. Um, I'm going to sort of skim this article for everyone. Socialism, pro or con, is the hot issue in the Democratic circles as the party candidates, party's candidates for president prepare to debate this week. To the, to the obvious objection that socialism failed catastrophically in Venezuela and the Soviet Union, Democratic... Democratic socialists have, uh, it did say democratic there twice and then screwed up, have a ready response. Our model is thriving in Northern Europe. I think that countries in Denmark and Sweden do very well, says Bernie Sanders, uh, told the Iowa audience in April. My policies closely resemble what we see in the UK, in Norway, in Finland, in Sweden. Representative Alex, Alexandria Condria. Ocasio-Cortez told 60 Minutes in January. Undoubtedly, the Nordic nations with their high incomes, low inequality, free policy or free politics, and the strong rule of law represent success stories. What this has to do with socialism, though, is another question. Uh, the answer, according to a highly clarifying new report from analysts at J.P. Morgan Chase, is, quote-unquote, not much. Uh, drawing data from the World Bank the Organization of Economic Cooperation and, the Devel- and Development, and other reputable sources, the report shows that five nations, Sweden, Denmark, Finland, Norway, and the Netherlands, protect property rights somewhat more aggressively than the United States, on average, exercise less control over private enterprise, permit greater concentration in the banking sector, and distribute a smaller share of their total income to workers, which is basically the opposite of everything Saunders and AOC have been proposed. Uh, proposing copy the nordic model if you'd like but understand that it entails a lot of capitalism and pro-business policies a lot of tax taxation on the middle class spending and wages minimal reliance on corporate taxation and plenty of co-pays and deductibles in its healthcare system the report notes sanders and other left-wing or left-leaning democrats propose to pay for tuition-free college, and Medicare for all with higher taxes on the top 1% of earners. Most Nordic countries, by contrast, have zero estate tax. 
They fund generous programs with the help of value-added taxes that heavily affect middle-class consumers. I'm vaguely familiar with value-added taxes. It's basically just a higher sales tax. on the. It's just a consumer tax. Yeah. Um, In Sweden, for example, consumption, social security, and payroll taxes totaled 27% of gross domestic product as compared to 10.6% in the United States, according to the J.P. Morgan Chase report. Nordic countries uh, tried direct wealth taxes, such as the one that figures prominently in Elizabeth Warren's plan, but uh, Norway all but abandoned them because of widespread implementation problems. Well, yeah, exactly. They didn't have the right people like Bernie Sanders to implement it. That's why they abandoned it. If they yeah. had people like Bernie Sanders to implement it, it would work. See, I feel you. The Nordic countries' use, uh, use of copays and deductibles in healthcare may be especially eye-opening to anyone considering... Sanders' Medicare for All plan, which the presidential candidate pitches in an effort to bring the United States into line with European standards. His plan offers an all-encompassing, government-funded, zero-copay, zero-deductible suite of benefits, from dental checkups to major surgery, with no Nordic, which no Nordic nation provides. The Netherlands health insurance system centers on an Obamacare-like mandate to buy a private plan, Individuals face an annual deductible of $465 as of 2016, according to the Boston Commonwealth Fund. Uh, Dutch consumers' out-of-pocket spending on health care represent 11% of total health care expenditures in 2016, according to the, hang on, Peterson Kaiser Healthcare System Tracker. There's a hyperlink in this. I will link this article on the Facebook page so people can read it because there's a bunch of rabbit holes to go down here. The same percentage as in the United States. In Sweden, meanwhile, out-of-pocket spending accounted for 15% of health care expenditures. Who knew? These countries are generous, but they are not stupid. They understand that there's no such thing as quote-unquote free health care and that requiring patients to have at least some skin in the game in the form of cost-sharing helps contain costs. Uh, we have we have to join the rest of the industrialized world and guarantee health care to all, including the undocumented, Sanders said last month in a presidential forum hosted by immigrant rights groups in California. Actually, none of the Nordic countries enroll undocumented immigrants in their national health care plans on equal terms with citizens and legal residents. Generally speaking, the countries provide acute care to undocumented adults and full care to children on an ad hoc basis. This is not unlike the United States, which provides billions of dollars worth of health care to undocumented people through various channels, public and private. In Denmark, private charities uh, cover those who are undocumented. These nations of Northern Europe are far from perfect, as in the recent fall of fin- Finland's government, which I was not aware of, over its proposed reforms to the country's financially troubled health care system. If they have established anything, it's not socialism or even the dominance of a benevolent state, but responsible governance. They have achieved a clear division of labor between government, which arguably has a comparative advantage in health care and health insurance and education, and the private sector, which is better at producing and distributing most other goods and services. What Nordic countries don't do is pretend that society can have a strong and efficient social safety net without a big, mandatory financial contribution from the middle class nor do they deal punitively with the private sector, upon whose productivity the entire system ultimately depends. American socialists' enthusiasm for northern European systems may be sincere. We shall see whether or not it can 
withstand full and accurate information on how those systems actually work. So here's my thing on this. It's not to read a aha, gotcha kind of thing and make Sanders warn and all of them look stupid. I think they're fully aware of this stuff. I think they're absolutely aware that this is how it works. And it's just better on the campaign to go, a campaign trail to say, I'm going to give you free shit. Right. And, you know, I, I don't see what you see wrong, how it's incompatible. Bernie just wants to cut out all the cap, the evil capitalist, capitalistic aspects of these societies and then just ramp up the fields to like 11. And then it'll work. So I don't see, I mean, he's just, he's just expanding upon their system and cutting out the trash. So by referencing them and saying they're, 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 they're basically socialist, he's right as soon as you get rid of the capitalism. Right, except it doesn't work without the capitalism. No, but you got to ramp up the fields. I, I don't get what you're saying. The fields. they got to be bigger, like up to 11. So everybody feels that they need to do something, and they'll do it. They'll, they'll, they'll give away more of their money. They'll make sure that the immigrants that need uh, health care and assistance get free healthcare assistance because doctors really, I mean, what's the Hippocratic oath? Do no harm. And what's, what's, what's intrinsic in that? It's make sure people don't get hurt and don't die and don't suffer. So you have to treat them. You're not, you don't, you don't have to get money for that because your oath is to do no harm. And if you're taking money and you turn somebody away because you don't have the money, you're doing harm. See, I don't really think I, I disagree. I don't think he has a strategy to get rid of capitalism. I think he likes capitalism just the way it is. It's made him a very rich person. And I don't think he has any problem with that. But it's all nonsense. Right. But I think what he's saying is, I'm going to give you a bunch of free stuff. Right. And then when he gets elected, go, can't do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. He He's being deliberately deceptive. What he's saying and, and his ilk are just as stupid and silly as what I was just saying. All right. But he doesn't, my point is he doesn't have some grand grand plan to undermine capitalism. He's just going to lie to get elected. Yeah. That's really what he's doing. You know? Right. Uh, I guess. I mean, what, what do you say to that? People that, the people that would vote for that are, are idiots. They don't, or, or they're just willfully ignorant and don't care to look into anything. I mean, it, it takes a minimal amount of brain power to see that these promises just can't, they can't come true. They can't, they will not work. Well, it's just like his thing. There's, I, I can't remember the number. The current number uh, for student debt is like $1.6 trillion or something like that. I could be wrong. I, I thought it was 1.6. I don't think it's billion. I think that's way too okay. low. But regardless, whatever the number is, he's saying now, I propose that we just eliminate all that student debt. Nobody thinks about what that means. I mean, all of that debt is underwritten by the government, you can't just go to a bank and say, yeah, just wipe it out. Right. Can you imagine if you went and said... The government doesn't produce wealth either, so how, right, how, but, how is that going to... But just this idea that, let's say, uh, they said, you know, for uh, everyone making less than $75,000 who owns a home, we're just going to wipe out your mortgage. It's just going to be paid for. You know, and whether or not... Well, either, then I was sure a sucker for not having a mortgage. There you go. So, well, we know you make way more money than that. But uh, but his his idea is either you go tax the shit out of somebody to pay for it, which doesn't work, 
or you just tell those banks they have to eliminate that debt. Well, the banks have to carry that someplace. You know, they can't just get rid of it. That's money they paid out that they have to get back somehow. You can't just say we're going to wipe out all the student debt. You have to pay for it with something. So it's either generating a super high tax. You can't tax the top 1% enough to pay for that. And he knows this. And if absolutely he knows it, he's fucking lying. But most people are that vote for that kind of shit don't don't know this or don't care to know this. Yeah. But that's my problem with this whole thing is And the fact that the media just lets, no it, one's, lets yeah, it happen. No one's going to call him out on it. It's an easy thing to call out too. Yeah. It doesn't take much digging, it doesn't take much research, it doesn't take any investigative journalism. It just takes doing your fucking job as the media. Well, but and so let's say we could magically make this all disappear. What's going to happen again? With all if we could do it, it's not possible, but if we could do it without any financial repercussions which could be crippling to our economy, what would happen after that? The you'd just see more people take advantage of government programs for tuition and go out and run their fucking debts up again. If somebody has or there'd be and then there'd be this the whole like Europe has the austerity programs that people are rioting over yeah. in France and you know they they decide they can't afford to pay for all this stuff. The government doesn't get enough money in taxes, doesn't doesn't can't produce money. So it's only redistributing money and they don't have enough to put into these social welfare programs and so they start implementing these called so-called austerity programs where they're cutting back on programs and they're actually doing their job and you know, seeing who doesn't deserve it and what they deserve and all that. And the people go apeshit because they're used to getting their free shit. Well, and we've talked about this before. Thomas Sowell had an article where he talks about what happens when you cut taxes. When the government cuts taxes on people, and prior to Trump it had been done six times in uh, the history of the United States, uh, the government revenues from taxes actually increased. Well, guess what? When Trump did his tax cut again, now the government has seen a surplus in what they saw for tax revenue. Because people, when they know they're going to be taxed a lot, that's it's a prohibitive, uh, it, it affects their behavior. So it's these same people who say, if we want to get people to stop smoking, we got to tax the shit out of cigarettes. So their idea is, if you tax it more, people will stop using it. But the other idea is, if you tax people more on their income, that you'll collect more revenue is stupid. Those are two diametrically opposed ideas. What's going right. to happen is the ultra-rich will move their money somewhere else where it can't be taxed, or they simply will cut back on their income, because they can. They'll take more losses in their business. They'll do whatever. They, they will find all sorts of, and they're not loopholes. They are tax laws that allow them to shelter their money. And the government will see higher taxes but a, but a lower amount of income. And so the point is these people are lying. They know they're lying. And the only reason they're doing it is they want to get elected. Yeah. And they're not going to be able to do the things they say they're going to be able to do. You know, and... I know the left will say, well, Trump lies. Trump lies all the time. You didn't have a problem with him. I got lots of problems with Trump. But the things Trump said he was going to do, build a wall, cut taxes, you know, get us out of a lot of these wars, he's been doing those things. 
Right. He, he didn't say, I'm going to pay for everybody's shit. You know? Yep. And I just, it bothers me that it doesn't bother more people. Because it's just a flat out lie. So. Yeah. I mean, if you watch any of these uh, um, YouTube channels where uh, people go out and go to the universities and interview students and ask them, hey, how do you feel about this, that, and political stance and this, you know, um, promises to cut your um, debt and all that. And they're, they're completely clueless as to what's going on. You could tell them... Um, the Democrats said the Republican thing and the Republicans said the Democrat thing and they don't know any different. And so they're just basically lemmings. They, they don't care to know. They don't care to learn. They're all, they're just in their own fucking world. But, but they sure the fuck will go out and vote. Absolutely. Not knowing what the fuck they're voting for. But as long as they're told by these, you know, these uh, indoctrination, you know, um, camps or, you know, the people in charge of kind of getting these people to vote that know exactly what they're doing. They'll, they'll do what they're told. Well, and they're intellectually weak. This idea that you can just say to someone, well, they had, I can't remember who did it. Somebody had a, uh, um, it might have been Caitlin Bennett even, went out and, and interviewed people and said, shit, yeah, it was Caitlin Bennett. Because she dressed up in her rainbow gear and everything and said, should we just, uh, should we have um, re-education camps for people who think, Bad things. And people are like, you know, yeah, I think we should. Sounds like a good idea. But they're not even thinking about it. They're not thinking it through, you know. And my, you know, my thing is people think of these things just in how it directly affects them. You know, they don't think of the larger picture. You know, and let me give you a great example. Like, let's say... um I said to you, let's say you made $60,000 a year. Don't I wish. Yeah, no kidding. You might make 6000 I think. So uh, $60,000 a year, and I came in and said, everybody who makes uh, less than 75000 bucks a year gets a bunch of free stuff from the government, um, and everybody above that is, gonna have their, is going to have their taxes increased by 10% to pay for it. You're generally probably going to be like, you know, that sounds like a good idea. Sure. Right? What if I now said that number's $55,000? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a minute. Right? And I just want to find people who are intellectually honest about this. It really comes down to if you rob Peter to pay Paul, you generally have the support of Paul. Right. People's principles exist solely for, for themselves. It's it's what affects me right around me. It's never, I don't want to say never, but it's rarely nowadays the larger whole. So this idea that, you know, if you can charge somebody else to pay for me, that's great. But when that number moves south of where I make, then it's not okay. If you're going to shut off certain kinds of speech that I disagree with, that's great. Until, wait, that affects me. Then, no, you can't do yeah. it. These and unfortunately, I think people are being indoctrinated to this in a lot of colleges. I won't say college in general, but a lot of colleges, especially on the West Coast and in the Chicago area, Illinois, um, they're being indoctrinated to this idea that you know it's all about my feels. It's not 
intellectual stuff. I mean, I uh, read an article, I'll post this to the Facebook page too, but um, saying that most of the most of the first year reading for college for a lot of these colleges now don't include Shakespeare and Milton and stuff like that. It's all authors in the last 50 years who are talking about. Well, yeah, because they're more diverse. Yeah, social justice warrior kind of. Right, but topics. it's not going to be uh, um, Thomas Sowell. Mm-mm. Right, it's diverse only that fits their ideology. Well, it's the I mean, woke, it's the wokeness wokeness quotient. Well, wait, I mean, we can't have people with white privilege like Thomas Sowell. <laughs> you know, we just can't have that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the that's the whitest economist I've ever seen next to Milton Friedman. Isn't he a black man? Wait, what? <laughs> I thought I better better point that out. I've read that man's hateful rhetoric, and I did not know he was black. Are you kidding me? Well, he does, his picture on the back of a lot of his books, he does look like a black man, but he might just be presenting as a black man. Hmm. He could uh, be a white woman, for all I know. This changes. Well, maybe he self-identifies as a white woman. Ma'am. Yeah. Ma'am. All right. So, uh, speaking of uh, white privilege, uh, NBA, NBA players are now uncomfortable with uh, the white owners of teams being called owners. That uh, triggers them, makes them feel like they're working on the plantation again. Right. There's an article here from People.com, and the title is, NBA moves away from owner label for racial sensitivity, favoring governor instead. So NBA Commissioner Adam Silver told TMZ, I'm sensitive to it, and I think teams are moving away from the term. Okay. So... Did you know the average salary right now in the NBA is uh, $4.5 million? Hmm. So, I mean... For playing a game. Well, but I'm just thinking if that's uh, that's what you get for working on the plantation, that's that's some pretty good money. It's still a prison. Yeah, prison. that's true. It might be a gilded cage, but it's still a prison. Yeah. Um, how? Because they're not free to... Um, wear what they want to wear on the court. Okay. They're not free to criticize their teammates and their owner. Sure they are. They do it all the time. Okay. Well, they're not free to... uh, They're not free to not show up to practice. Sure they are. Do it all the time. But then, but then, then they're told that they can't play. No, they still play. Okay. Well, I mean... I guess it's just getting to be a little bit of a bigger cage. That's all. Right. <laughs> okay. They're still in a cage. It's just a little bigger than I initially made it sound. You don't think this might be more faux outrage? Well, I mean, the move is being implemented due to the racial connotations of the term for a league in which black athletes make up the majority of its players. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody should do something about that. We have a lot of racial inequality in the yeah, NBA. Yeah, where, where are the Chinese and the Vietnamese and the Jewish players? Well, and I mean, there's only a few white players, so it's yeah. got to be They don't racist. matter, though. I, I don't care if they're... You know, fuck white men, really, honestly. But it's got to be It's got to be they, racist. They, they've, had, they've had their time, all right? Yeah, but any any numbers that aren't exactly even right. mean racism. But as far as, as as far as diversity goes... I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about, uh, you know, natives. I'm worried Native American, indigenous peoples. I'm worried about um, Asians, or as they're sometimes called, Orientals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's who I'm worried about. 
You're you're worried about right yeah. the Chicanos. I'm worried about them. Right. <laughs> I'm I'm really nervous about where you can't go with this. <laughs> Not gonna go any further. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, so uh, while speaking to the outlet, Silver, who has been the head of the NBA since he took over for David Stern in 2014, revealed. The league has tried to distance itself from the word for several years and is hoping teams adopt the word governor or an alternative instead. Here's a quote. I don't want to overreact to the term because, as I've said earlier, people end up twisting themselves into knots avoiding the use of the word. We moved away from that term years ago in the league. We call our team owners governor or the team and of the team and alternate governor. They do it with a do they do it with a British accent? Governor? Governor. Governor. Alternate governor. Uh, several players had voiced their concerns with the t- term over years. In 2017, oh, that was over the years, yes. 2017 Golden State Warriors player Draymond Green explained the word sets the wrong tone since it can evoke slavery. Let's stop using the word owner and maybe use the word chairman, Green wrote on Instagram. To be owned by someone just sets a bad precedent to start. It gets the wrong tone. It gives one the wrong mindset. Uh, Green's comments came in response to former Houston Texans owner Bob McNair warning the NFL team executives that the league should avoid having inmates running the prison in regards to players kneeling protests, according to Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Well, it's just Mark Cuban spoke out against it. He said, look, I'm the owner. I own the actual team. I don't own the players. I pay them. He says, just like a business. Yeah, I'm the owner of the team. I don't own my employees. I employ my yeah. employees. When when the owner shows up and he's got investors or people or friends with him, and he goes to the, the court and he goes, um, um, "Here's the such and such. What's a basketball player's name? I don't. I don't know. On the Mavericks, I don't know. Steph Curry. Anybody uh, plays for Golden State. Any, any name. Steph Curry. Here's Steph Curry. I own this guy. This is this is one of the guys I own. Steph Curry. See that guy over there? I own him too. I'm I'm his owner. They never. They don't say that. Yeah, the guy uh, guy serving peanuts out there. I own him. I you know I own the PR guy. I don't. They don't say any of that stuff. Yeah. And if that's the case, can we? Do they have to? Uh, if there are minority employees uh, who play who work for these organizations, not as players, but you know, front office people, vendors, whatever, are they insulted by this too? I mean, the difference to me between there's, I mean, I understand the close comparison between NBA stars making an average of four and a half million dollars and slaves, but there's, uh, there's, there's a few distinctions there. As I remember, slaves couldn't, you know, slaves uh, were paid for and they had to stay just like these players do when they sign a contract. But I don't remember the slaves having a say. So that's one difference. The player can choose to play for that team or not play for that team. Oh, there's some shit I wanted to say, but I can't. Yeah, you can't. Um, and I believe uh, they used to um, physically brutalize slaves, didn't they? Who? The the owners and plantations. Sometimes. Yeah. So um, they they don't do that in the NBA. Although, uh, you know what? Their schedule is rather harsh. Right. And they do have to fly on private planes a lot. That that you know, having to travel that takes the a lot out of their day. The owners just get the coaches, which is their, um, it's their enforcer to do all their dirty work. So the enforcer um, calls them bad names. 
inflicts all kinds of emotional distress on the players. That's, that's true. Basically, and, like the foreman taking a whip to him. And we've heard that emotional distress equals, is literally violence. Equals physical distress. Yeah, okay. So if you mostly emotionally abuse your players, you are cracking the whip. Okay. So and I get you that. are the enforcer. You you are the owner's enforcer. Okay. So I get it. And you know the owners, the owners of uh, yeah, they don't call the coach um, the enforcer of the team. They call him the coach. Yeah. What's so, your point? so they should. So the owners shouldn't be called owners. You lost me. Well, what do you mean? Oh, I see you're being facetious. Oh, yeah, I get it. Okay, no, it's, it's ridiculous. We're worried about stuff like this. How many people would want to trade places with these players? Millions upon millions upon millions of people. Well, I'm just getting into semantics of shit. It's tedious. I know. I mean, and that's. It's like you can't roll your eyes hard enough at the shit. Yeah. So, yeah. And like I said, I'm not a big sports ball guy, so do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. I mean, I, I look at I look at that world and I just, it does, it, it, I can't comprehend the money involved in it. I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. That kind, But, you know, more power to them, I guess, if they can make it work. Sure. I mean, the idea that it's got a negative connotation. Let me ask you this. You're... Your ancestry, part of your ancestry, is from England, right? All right. Um, When the Romans enslaved most of Europe, including part of England, probably places your ancestors are from, those uh, heavy-handed people who are in charge of those particular areas were called governors, weren't they? Mm -hmm. So does, I mean, does the word governor stir up some bad connotations for you? Yeah, and I deserve reparations. Yeah, I think you, yeah. Absolutely. Reparations. Reparations all around, really, is what I say. Okay. You you brought up another subject we got to talk about, <laughs> but let's do some would-you-rathers first. All right. Would you rather have a superpower that could o- only be used for good or have unlimited time travel ability? Superpower for good. Yeah, because uh, with time travel ability, um, there's a thing called paradox and all kinds of shit can go wrong. Also, if you're not dealing with paradox and time travel, you're dealing with alternate reality. So basically what you're doing is you're going into a time frame that is not your own and you're meeting people and, and affecting events that don't actually pertain to your time. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> so everybody who's, who's, who's intelligent and listening would know. That uh, you don't want to have time travel ability unless you know specifically how it works. The only reason I would take a time travel ability is if they said um, you could travel in time. You could only travel backwards and forward to the present time. So you can't travel into the future. Why? Why wouldn't you want to see the future? I just don't. I don't want to be tempted with that. So uh, don't. You can't do that. And when you went, uh, when you went back, you were basically non-corporeal. So if you wanted to go back just to see, like, what was said at the Constitutional Congress or, you know, what happened at, a you know, some historical event, but you your presence there couldn't influence it because they can't see you. They can't, you can't interfere God, with it. boring. Gosh, you're boring. It would be cool, though. You're so boring. It would be start. cool. Uh, so, uh. But superpower for good. That's what I'd pick. Okay. And, of course, do you, you know, you know, if I. One superpower is too hard to, to, to... I mean, you can pretty much take any one. But if you could pick two superpowers... well, You know what mine are. What would yours be? Yours are what? Super strength and invulnerability? No. Teleportation and invulnerability. 
if you have teleportation, do you even need to be involved? Yeah, because you can. You, if you fall asleep, you know you can still be taken out. Somebody could trap you. What if somebody trapped you in like a uh, like? A Careful, you're gonna give it away. Underwater, you're gonna give it away. Underwater, you're gonna give it away. Uh, what you, if they, you've given it away? What? How to trap me? Yeah. But here's the thing: if I can teleport out of that, then then I'm pretty much unstoppable. Out of an underwater prison? Out of anywhere. Like they, if you were invulnerable but not super strong or anything, you could get trapped in glue. You know, like some big super foam spray jet thing, and you'd be you'd be basically going insane because you couldn't break out of it, and you'd be there forever, not being hurt. But if you could teleport out of it, you'd be unstoppable. I would say teleportation and regeneration. Yeah, it's almost, a, almost like, the same thing. Yeah, it's kind the of. Same thing. Except, I mean, like. Wolverine in the X-Men comics can be shot and more or less killed and come back, you know? All right. Yeah, teleportation has got to be one of them, though. Okay. Um. And by the way, if I had those two powers, you'd be tempted to do some stuff that wasn't good. Oh, yeah, I would be. Oh, man. I'd, I'd be thinking in my mind, I'm doing such good. You'd be the worst kind of person. I'm doing such good right now. You are a great example of power corrupts. <laughs> but I'd be thinking in my head, God, wow, am I really doing good right now? You know what? I honestly think like... Man, like this is a, a bloody swath I'm cutting. Boy, am I doing good. <laughs> You'd be like Hawkeye from uh, when he goes nuts in uh, the last yeah, Avengers. Ronan. Um, but even at least then, he knew he was doing bad stuff. But uh, there have been times I've thought about, you know, in the in the Hobbit series and stuff, if I got a hold of the one ring, maybe I could be a good guy. You know, hmm. even though I know it probably wouldn't work, you would be a horrible human being. Oh, that ring. That ring. I would do such good things with that no, ring. No, you would be worse than Sauron. Sauron would be like, What's dude. What do you mean? Sauron didn't do worse. Yeah. I would emulate that. No, you'd be worse. Uh, so segue into what you're talking about. Would you rather live in the fantasy world of Lord of the Rings as a hobbit or live in an no. unknown world of Star Wars as a Jedi who must fight. I'd go Jedi. And I don't like all the politics involved. With, I don't. Uh, I don't care. Star Wars Jedi's they get wiped out eventually. Anyway. Yeah, I know. Oh, you've ruined it for me. Now I can't watch any of the movies. You wouldn't want to be a Hobbit. No, I love the little no. Hobbit, ho- Hobbit holes. No. I love their houses. Aren't no. they homey and cozy? Yeah, until, but until all the doors come in and fuck your shit up. <laughs> yeah, but you're singing sh- their shitty songs. You're short. You got to smoke a pipe, and you can't big, wear big shoes. Hairy feet. Yeah, and you. Basically, you sit around and eat the whole time, and that's it's a pretty nice. I mean, are there are there any attractive hobbits? Well, you know what? I bet there are. I don't think there are. So, you don't think uh, what's his name was attractive? What, but he's not my type. What's his name? The actor that played Frodo. Oh, I don't know the actor's name. Oh, um, with the piercing blue eyes. Oh yeah. Um, God, it's weird. Can't yeah, it's going to bug me now. He was I, a, I wanted to say Ethan Hawke, but that's not him. He was in a movie that I saw on Netflix. It's called um, I Don't Feel I Don't Feel Comfortable in This World Anymore. So it's a weird weird title. It's a long title. Or, he does mostly weird movies. It's, it's an independent movie, but it was really... And he played a pretty good role in that. So if I can think of the name of it, I'll, I'll say it again. But it's about a woman who gets burglarized, and she goes to the police, and the police don't really help her out. And the, the thieves took her laptop and like her grandmother's china or silverware and the police don't help her out and she kind of recruits the neighbor to help her out and he plays the neighbor and he's this guy that's in his backyard listening to hard rock and you know flipping nunchucks and stuff and he, he's, he's got he's got like a rat tail elijah wood elijah wood yeah and what's the name of the movie i don't know oh uh, i don't 
I don't feel comfortable in this world anymore or something like that. But it's, it's one of those movies like you can't predict what's happening and it kind of ramps up and there's a lot of tension involved, but it's got funny moments like black humor in it. So it's worth watching. Okay. One more. All right. Um, here's a long one. I didn't get to pre-screen, pre-read ahead this. Would you rather be a teacher in a public school that's in a bad neighborhood? Next. And make a big difference in kids' lives. Next. But earn a modest salary. Next. Or teach brats in a private school for a large salary. Brats in a private school for a large salary. And who's to say they're fucking brats? Whose perspective is that? Oh, but even if they are. I mean, at least... At least yeah, you uh, be... Brats in a private school or brats in a fucking public school in a bad neighborhood. And by brats, I mean fucking criminals. But it says make a, make a, a Jack Blackian difference in their lives, you know? I mean, like he does in School of Hard Rock or whatever school Yeah, of because rock. that's totally believable. I know. I just... No. All right, last one. Would you rather have a pet unicorn or a pet dragon? How big is a dragon? And how smart is it? Yeah. How big is it? Like How's... a dog? Because that would be hard to deal with. Pissing all over. <laughs> Do you rub its nose in shit? No. Leaving Volkswagen Beetle-sized shits in your yard? It, it's dreams and sleep, and instead of, like, kicking its legs, it belches fire? No. I mean, you've seen how much a horse pisses, right? <laughs> Can you imagine? Dragon just sitting there leaving itself for do, half an I'm hour. i do the unicorn. I, well, the other thing is... That was unfortunate how I said that, too. I'm not going to do the unicorn. I'd want, I'd want the unicorn, but I wouldn't do the unicorn. Is it going to be a dragon, like, uh, from Pete's Dragon, the Disney movie? Yeah, like, like it's very intelligent and can, can yeah, communicate and, normally with you. And, and because it's magic, doesn't have to poop or pee or anything and yeah. isn't eating everything in the countryside. Or is it a dragon like from Game of Thrones? Which would be terrible. Yeah, where it, it has to go pillage the countryside for food. and Yeah. yeah. Or, I've never seen a, like an evil unicorn. They're more like cats. That's true. Does the unicorn's uh, horn heal diseases like all the other ones do? Generally speaking, yes, I think. You know, the only thing that would suck about having a unicorn. Right. You, you'd have to, in order to have that, you'd have to be a virgin. No. Doesn't it only, doesn't it only let virgins touch it? I'm surprised you can't figure out the worst part of owning a unicorn. The worst part of owning a unicorn? No. Is every squealing freaking unicorn fan in the world would never leave you alone. Yeah. Oh my God, it's a unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. All the, all the women and gay guys who can't grow up. <laughs> you, you would train it to kick them and then kick the dudes in the nuts. No, it wouldn't. It would just be like, I mean, a unicorn would be like, yeah, I know. I know I'm awesome. Or, or you train it to snot like they get oh, I'm so pretty cool. <laughs> like snot in their face. That'd be awesome. Just <laughs> no. Train it to do, to do un-unicorn things. Train it to smoke. <laughs> Has a little pipe hanging out of it. Yeah, mouth. just like a hoof. You know, gets a hoof up there, <laughs> takes a big drag off a cigarette, and goes. Uh, put put a mag, put a hole in the mag, yeah. put it on its head. <laughs> they come. Fans are like, "Oh my god, a unicorn!" They come run up to it, and it's like, I was like, takes a big drag in the cigarette, throws down stuff, it out with a paw, goes, "Jesus Christ, here we go again." And they'd be like, "Well, this isn't like really cool." Bring it to every Trump rally. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? A unicorn would never go to a Trump rally. Yeah, you said it wasn't evil. Oh, you take it to a, a gay pride parade, and it would lead it, and they'd be expecting it to shit rainbows, and it just shit poop. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna have to edit this out. But can you see someone sticking a big fake dick on its? <laughs> oh, 
man. A big, it's a, it's a unifallus. Oh, okay. We are done here. <laughs> Good night, everybody. All right. Uh... Oh, that's not what I wanted. That's not what a unicorn sounds like, is it? No, it's whippoorwill, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Just imagine that was a unicorn sound effect. <laughs> All right. All right. Um... I want to do this one. Gay! <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> my, my thumb was a little too fat. I missed the wrong, got the wrong button. <laughs> that would be awesome though, if they expected to shit rainbows and it just drops a load in the street. <laughs> His tail goes up and they're like, oh, here it comes. Here it comes, everybody. <laughs> oh, God. Even better if it was not. We're not going to go there. <laughs> the German guy in the leather might be into it, though. <laughs> yeah. He fed it a lot of roughage beforehand. So it's basically just shoots it out like a fucking shotgun blast. The float behind it just gets the brunt. <laughs> All right, we're done. <laughs> no more. All right. Uh, so speaking of stupid shit, <laughs> did you see uh, Elizabeth Warren's new proposal for reparations? I did. Why don't you Reparations for one? gay people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because they were not allowed to marry. So... The tax incentives is what she's talking about then? Uh, I don't know. Because when you get married, you get you get tax breaks, right? No. When you file, when you file as a married couple, mm-hmm. you actually can pay more than when you file separately. There's not a break for filing. I thought single guys end up paying the most taxes when you get married, then you get all these Nope, benefits. it does not go what? down. When you have Mind kids, alone. when you have kids, you get some. But no, married couples can pay slightly more in taxes. So... Yep. So what does she what does she want then? I don't have a fucking clue. This is the whole thing about she's. I mean, this is the same thing Bernie Sanders is doing, like we said in the beginning. She's just saying shit to get elected. But imagine for a second that you could even do that. How would you even tell? Would you have to go to couples that did file? separately but would have been married and go back all those years and figure out if they would have actually made or saved money or it would have cost them more money if it would have cost them more money do they have to pay back in then um how about the couples that would have gotten married but then wound up they could have wound up divorced i mean this is just kind of like the same same thing with reparations for blacks it's never it can't happen there's too many what ifs there's too many contingencies to think of and it's, it would never work. Well, but at least, I'll grant her this, at least in the case of reparations for gay people, the people who are affected by it are still alive. Mm. Reparations for slavery, nobody affected by slavery is alive. Right. And I don't want to hear that, well, it affected, it's generationally and institutional racism. you got to prove that stuff. That's right. BS. So, where does it end? It doesn't. So, anybody who was in the past historically discriminated against gets has to get some sort of uh, recom- or compensation for that I, but well, what's it going to be and, well and, i posted and, and, and for the for the reparations for blacks it was well we we were promised you hear this we were promised 40 acres and a mule and our family never got that so that's what reparations are about well that doesn't apply to the i mean that doesn't apply to that either but for the gays, there's no promises of anything for for gay people, right? Uh, unicorns? <laughs> no, I 
it's just when you've got a crowded field again. I mean, there's more people in the in the Democrat field right now for president than there were for the Republicans, and the Republicans had a ridiculous amount of them. But uh, I'm trying to find this. I, I posted it to our Facebook page uh, a couple days ago about this uh, black Democrat testifying in Congress about reparations, saying, "Hey, listen, I'm I'm paraphrasing here." But you should go to the Facebook page and check out the check out the video. He said, "Listen, I'm I've, I'm a lifelong liberal, but I can't say that I like reparations." He's actually being booed while he's testifying, wow. and uh, he says it in the sense that he goes, "Reparations are for um, people who've been victims." That's the definition of them. He says, "So now you're making me a victim without my consent." And he says, 30% of black people are voting against reparations. Now you make them victims without their consent. And he went on about how he's a kid from uh, an upper class family. He's going to a great college. You know, why is he entitled to reparations when someone who was not black but was born in much worse circumstances and is struggling in a, you know, uh, hourly job to make it? So you're basically doing this just based on race. He goes, that's not right either. He's being booed this entire time. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, a, it's, a it's non- interesting. It's, it's all, I haven't, there's not much to say about it. It's so ludicrous. I know, but it's just, it's more of this, it's more of this bullshit stuff. It's like. Uh, promising, f- promising shit to people to get a vote is what it is. That's all it is. Well, so you're pandering. It's all it is is fucking pandering. Is it, they don't, they don't mean to actually follow through with any of it. Is it Kirsten Gillibrand or Chris? It's Kirsten Gillibrand, Kirsten, right? Kirsten, I believe. Re- regardless, either way, she's never being elected. You mean irregardless? No, stop it! I will punch <laughs> you right a, now. It's been a while. God damn it! <laughs> Say unrelentless again. We will have words, sir. Um, but she said that uh, the uh, there's no difference between sexual harassment and sexual assault. There's no difference. We need to have stop having a different conversation about those things. And if you if you don't under if you don't understand that there's no difference, then you're basically just a terrible person. So there's no there's no talking to her about this. She's her mindset, and if you have any argument against what she's saying, she won't. There's no reason for her to listen to what you're saying because you just don't get it. No, but I think she's full of shit. I think she doesn't actually believe that stuff. I think she's just pandering right. to the Me Too movement. Just like when she came out and said, she said um, she's got to get her name out there. Well, she had another one uh, when she threw out some more stupid. When she said uh, someone was asking her about uh, pro-choice versus pro-life, and she said there are some things society has just moved beyond. They've realized that there is no other side to the argument. That Matt Christensen did a video on this, where she said basically that you know everybody understands that pro-choice is the only way there is to be. And Matt said in his video, so what about the 50% of people? Because it's pretty much split down the middle of the country, uh, give or take 3 or 4%. Uh, what about those people who disagree with you? They're just, they because she says so, they can't have that opinion anymore? Or they're just stupid because they have it? She's just saying these things to pander to people. It's no different when they had their... Uh, Al Sharpton rally, and he got all of those people up there to all the presidential candidates to say, "Will you sign the bill of proposed reparations?" Yes, I absolutely will sign it. 
bullshit. Right. I don't think you will. There's no way. Right. It's, yeah. it's stupid. I mean, they just friggin' lie. Yeah, people eat it up. Yeah. And that's, you know, the Democrats have been known over the years to, to lie and lie and pander and pander to um, the black community. And any anywhere that the Democrats have been involved or entrenched, uh, th- that's where they suffer the most. Yeah. Yes, but, but they still seem to fall for it every single time. Yeah. Well, I mean... And I'm not saying everybody, but as a, as a, as a voting block, yeah. 90-something percent do. Well, it's like Rush Limbaugh mentioned, and we might have brought it before, that you know California has no need to fix itself. It doesn't need to handle this homeless problem with the bubonic plague. Think about that. The bubonic plague is showing up. Is showing up. Typhus, all this stuff that should never show up in a civilized society, a non-third world country. And California's not going to, they're not going to bring attention to it. They're not going to fix it. They don't need to. There's nobody in California that's going to vote the Democrats out. You know, right. unless that state utterly collapses. And the truth is the people are going to lean first to the Republicans anyway. You know, they have they have no need to fix it whatsoever. These places that that are run by Democrats for the last 50, 60, 70 years. Show me the ones that aren't shitholes, you know, or soon to be, because I can list a bunch of them that are, you know, L.A., Chicago, Portland's going that way. Baltimore's already there. Hell, Cleveland's there. Detroit's been there for a long time. Yep. Show me the, the court. Yeah. yeah, well... Flint, Michigan, and all sorts of other problems, but uh, show me the corresponding Republican cities. Honestly, show me. I would. I can't yeah, think of one. In dire straits that have been in dire straits for years now because of Republicans. Yeah, where are they? Name it. I'm trying to actually think of one. I'm just sort of going through the country in my head. Yeah, yeah. Denver is going uh, the way of Detroit and all those other ones. Yeah. Because uh, they have a homeless problem now, too. They have a homeless problem and a drug problem now. Well, the only reason Minneapolis doesn't have the same disease diseases because we have winters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're pulling the same shit where homeless encampments are growing and growing and growing, and the cities, not doing any, the cities aren't doing anything about it and actually accommodating the the filth and, and uh, you know, bullshit that's going on, drug use and all that kind of shit that's going on there. Oh, I thought you were going to say because there's a long-held theory that I absolutely buy into that uh, work ethic is stronger where the seasons change because when you live where the weather can kill you, you can't sit around. And In other words, the closer to the equator you get, I mean, yeah, the worse your work ethic becomes. Yeah, I mean, actually, there's, there's some truth to that. I think with very few exceptions, you'd have to, I mean, you have to struggle to to disprove that theory. Well, I mean, people that, that have had to deal with seasons that will kill them, they've had to um, plan ahead. Yeah. They, they, they're, they're, they have to work on impulse control, stuff like that. And it's, it's an evolution that happens. Yeah. So, but we're getting, we're getting dangerously close to uh, talking about uh, racial traits. Now we can't do that. We are. Yes. Yes. If you talk to people about time preferences and, um, impulse control and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a racial component to it. Really? Mm-hmm. I think you made it racial. Sure. You made it racist. 
but we're not going to go down that particular rabbit hole. Okay. I'm still trying to think of I'm still trying to think of the shitty Republican cities. Well, while you're thinking, we have a, a couple more stories we can choose from here. All right. Because we're getting close to your, to running out of time. All right. So, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was slammed for pushing photos of herself at the border to help concentration camp remarks. Or a Chicago bar employee spits on Eric Trump. Or that, uh, did you see that uh, photo that shows a father and daughter who drowned crossing the border? Oh, yeah, that thing is heartbreaking. Yeah, but it, um, there's an article by Matt Walsh that says the story behind the image proves why we need a wall. Okay. It's pretty interesting. Let's but, hear that one. Well, you want to do that one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the AOC went really quick because she did a photo op, stage photo op at the border to to show it was a concentration camp, but it was basically an empty parking lot, and then the pictures are just her and some people like making faces and crying. It's really, it was really kind of stupid. Okay, wait, real quick. I just pulled this up. Top 10 largest cities by population. Okay. Mm-hmm. New York, Democrat, shithole. Los Angeles, Democrat, becoming a shithole. No, it wasn't a shithole under Giuliani. What? New York. New- they actually no, it was getting cleaned up pretty good. No, it wasn't Chicago. Safe, too. Chicago, Democrat, shitty. Houston, which I believe is in a red state, but is run by Democrats. Yeah, it is. Shitty. Philadelphia, need mm-hmm. I say more. Phoenix, that one surprises me. And Phoenix is not a bad city. I wouldn't live there because it's so damn hot. San Antonio, I don't think that's a bad city at all. I've been there. It's a nice town. Uh, San Diego, they're, start, they're putting some new tax on to deal with the homeless problem. Dallas, you know, you hear about that homeless problem and all the gun violence in Dallas yeah, all sure. the time. Yeah. And then San Jose, there's shit all. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, even the ones after that. Austin. Austin is a Democrat stronghold in, um, in uh, Texas, but not a bad city. Jacksonville, terrible. That's in Florida, so that might be a candidate. San Francisco, Indianapolis. I'm having a hard time finding the bad Republican cities here. Hmm. All right. All right. This article by Matt Walsh. Uh, Gut-wrenching photo that strikes at the heart of the immigration debate went viral this week. It shows a father and his young daughter face down on the shore of the Rio Grande. Uh, yeah, and she, she was like in his shirt, like he put her in his shirt to swim. Yeah. I never, I never saw the photo. It's it's yeah. It says the girl has her arm around the man's neck. Both are dead. Any parent, well, any human being with a functioning conscience can't help but be moved and devastated by the scene. Yeah, I actually don't even want to see it. It's it's not horrible. I mean, it'll stick with you. Yeah, it's very sad. The left has attempted to use the image to make its case for open borders. We are told that somehow this is Trump's fault. It's the GOP's fault. Uh, quote, this message brought to you by the Republican Party, unquote, a progressive group captioned the photo. But the story behind the image, as reported by Daily Mail and New York Magazine, reveals that this calamity was not at all brought on by strict immigration enforcement. The opposite is the case. Oscar Alberto Martinez Ramirez and his daughter Valeria were swept away while trying to cross the Rio Grande into Texas. Is it Rio Grande? I think it's Rio Grande. In Texas on Sunday. Oscar made it safely across with uh, Valeria, 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 V-A-L-E-R-I-A, Valeria, I don't know, sorry, 
But tragedy, tragedy struck when she followed him back into the river as he went back to get his wife. He tried to save his daughter, but they both drowned in the process. Man, that sucks. Mm-hmm. The Daily Mail described the circumstances that led to this family attempting to traverse the dangerous river on foot. This is from the Daily Mail. They left El Salvador on April 3rd and spent two months in a migrant camp in southern Mexico awaiting news of their asylum request to the U.S. before they decided to take a bus to the border on Sunday to try to speed up their case. And who's paying for these fucking buses? Uh, Activist activist groups and cartels, actually. Yep. When they arrived, the consulate was closed, but they also learned they were far down the list of hundreds of migrants in line for interviews. They decided to make the crossing illegally rather than wait, a decision that led to their deaths. All right. So this is back to the article. This was not a family turned coldly away as it fled violence and oppression. They were not turned away at all. They simply grew impatient, waiting for their bureaucratic wheels to turn. Indeed, family members confirmed that the family was not being persecuted in their home country. Oscar worked at Papa John's Pizza Restaurant where he was earning 350 a month. They lived off his wage, limiting themselves to $10 a day because Tanya had already quit her job as a cashier in a Chinese restaurant to care for Valeria, their only child. They were not fleeing violence, Tanya's mother had since, says, said, since said, but they were in desperate search of a life where they could earn more. Their plan was to spend a few years in America to save up enough money to eventually return to El Salvador and buy or build their own house. Back to the article. This might explain why their asylum request was taking so long to process. Ramirez and his family were looking for asylum from low-paying fast food jobs, which isn't how the asylum program is traditionally meant to be used. The U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services website defines asylum this way. Refugee status or asylum may be granted to people who have been persecuted or fear they will be persecuted on account of race, religion, nationality, and or membership in a particular social group or political opinion. Back to the article. We have stretched the concept of persecuted on account of race, religion, and social group into meaninglessness if we include those who are, understandably, distressed by low wages. If you blame the terrible deaths of Oscar and Valeria Ramirez on Trump, you must be arguing that the president should have personally moved the Ramirez family to the front of the asylum line, or or else that he should have instated a general policy that grants immediate asylum to anyone in the world who wants to come here for a few years to make some money and then return home. This would be absurd, of course. Donald Trump isn't responsible for this, and neither is the Republican Party. So what or who is responsible? It seems there are two systematic problems we can blame. First, Abuses of the asylum system have been tolerated for so long that people who shouldn't qualify for asylum still expect to receive it. I don't blame Ramirez for seeking asylum. If I were in his position, I'd probably have done the same. But we obviously cannot make someone a refugee because they weren't getting paid enough at Papa John's. Requests of that kind should be denied immediately. Loopholes that allow or encourage these sorts of abuses must be closed. Second, our border is porous and everyone knows it. Ramirez knew that if he could just make it across the river, he'd probably be home free. Again, I don't blame him for attempting it, but I do blame our government for enticing men like Ramirez by leaving the border open. If he only knew that his chances of making it across were extremely slim, perhaps he never would have stepped foot into that river. A fortified and enforced border may seem mean and scary to metropolitan liberals, but it would be life-saving for people on both sides of it. Just one more paragraph real quick. If Ramirez knew that he couldn't get here by erroneously seeking asylum or by sneaking across, Maybe he would have tried to apply for citizenship through the standard channels, or else he might have stayed in El Salvador and thought about other ways to increase his income. If he had done either of those things, he and his daughter would be alive today. 
The compassionate thing, then, is to encourage as many people as possible to choose between one of those two options, and that means enforcing our laws and protecting our border. It's a good article. Well, I got a couple thoughts on this. One, I am all for people like this coming to this country, knocking on the front door, saying, hey, I want to come in. I want a better life for my family. Here's um, what I, here's what I can do to... to Here's I'm going to get a job. Right. I want to make more money. Yeah. I want to become a citizen. A productive citizen of this country. Or or let us have some sort of temporary worker exchange where if he wants to come here for five years with his family, you know, partake of what we've got here, uh, and then go back. That's I mean I'm I uh, when I was in the Dominican Republic I met a guy who had done that. He moved from the Dominican to New York City for five years, worked at a furniture moving company, made a bunch of money and went back. I said, are you ever going back to the United States again? He goes, no, I made enough money to live here. Great. Great. Awesome. You know, he did a job there that... Paid taxes? Yes. Right. And and if he decides, if this family decides after five years, hey, you know what? We kind of like it here. We'd prefer to stay. Fine. Let's enroll you in the citizenship program, give you some sort of credit for the amount of time you've been here, you know, but guess what? You got to learn to speak English. You got to take some classes on how this country was built, and you have to do that normal citizenship stuff. I still think the process to become a citizen here is a little too arduous for people like this. You know, who are legit and want to come here and contribute. But secondly, and here's the thing: I don't think anyone is paying attention to in this. Um, what did this guy do in El Salvador? Worked at a Papa John's. A what? <laughs> A large, American co- uh, a large American capitalist country that brought industry to his, sorry, El Salvador, shithole country, you know, so that, and don't tell me it's not, because people are fleeing it like crazy, and it's got all sorts of problems, and if you think it's not, I challenge you to move there. Go live in El Salvador. I would like to see what kind of life they were living. Did they have, like, did they have, like, the things that... People here that are in, you know, below the poverty line have. Did they have um, cell phones? Did they have yeah, uh, satellite I, cable TV? Did they know. have a vehicle? Did they have? I don't know. You know, I'd like to see that. And uh, were they in dire circumstances, or were they just kind of like not living the good life? My guess is probably the latter. Right. But the point and so is, that there's no reason to have people like that come to our country. We should have said that's not a reason to come here. To live here, to work here, we have plenty of people that that want jobs and need jobs here. But I don't think we do. Is the point? Okay. I don't think we have a lot of people like this who want to show up and say, "Look, I don't. If I got to work in a Chinese restaurant right. for a couple of years to be able to get a better job, maybe at Home Depot where I can get some benefits and stuff like that." I think, I think yeah, that would it, be. It's not his fault for having the motivation and the drive to want to do better for his family. It is his fault for putting them in that dangerous situation. No. And not only is it not his fault to have the drive to want to do it, it's our benefit to have people like that in this country. Yeah, either temporarily or yes, extended. It's a good thing. They become citizens with, you know, generationally. And I think if you honestly ask Donald Trump if he has a problem with people like that coming to this country, he would tell you no. He wants people to come here and be productive. But you can't just sneak across in the middle of the night and expect that we're going to pay for you here. You have to contribute. Right. You know, you have to you have to stand up and say, hey, I'm here. How do I move along yeah, in this Wal- process? Walsh is, Walsh is right on in that article. He's absolutely right on. But again, the thing, and, and we can have all sorts of discussion about 
you know, what got them in this situation, whether you need a border or not. But let's go back to the situation they were in. They were living a decent life, it seems to, by this article. Not a great one, but a sustainable life. Because an American pizza company, a capitalist country or company, built something in their country. Do you yeah, see a what whole about, What about the Chinese restaurant that the wife was working at that she had to quit? What about it? Well, the Chai Com's probably uh Yeah, you probably uh, find out it's a freaking Leanne Chin. Yeah, I know. I just, and she quit it. So, yeah. There you go. Because her daughter got sick. I, I get it. Yeah, it's it's I mean, and then they talk about oh, heartless Republicans. You don't you don't care about the families and the children. Yeah, we do. We just understand that you motherfuckers on the right are pandering. On the left, or I'm sorry, on the left. Thank you. On the left are are pandering and misrepresenting everything for your for just bullshit reasons for your for votes instead of trying to actually help people. It's 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 really disgusting. Well, and I'm tired of this idea that well, Republicans don't want to fix immigration because they just want the cheap labor. No. You don't. Here's the thing: we wouldn't be talking about this if if that was if that was the case. We wouldn't be pushing to get um, the wall built and to get immigration reform done where where you actually will um, find businesses that do that, or or even there'll be even jail time if it's a big enough offense. We we we're all for that. Yeah. There's not a Republican I know that would go well. You know, I'm not going to push for you know stopping this because we really need the the low-income workers we really need them now we don't work along the border and we don't own you know produce farms and so maybe if there's republicans like that yeah. they do yeah that's probably maybe that would be such an insignificant number though of republicans yeah that they would have no say in it if well, you if you let trump and the republicans actually build the wall and do some border uh, reform and some immigration reform we'd actually could work something out that would be that would be beneficial for everybody and it would be humane well, let me ask you this, because this is the one where Republicans don't want to touch it. It's the third rail for them. Okay. What do you think about amnesty? I think there can be no discussion of amnesty until after right, border security. Right, right. But let's say... But we can talk about it, yes. If if amnesty and border security... We, the right always gives the left a hard time about, you just don't want a wall. If you hear wall, you're like, I'm done. Yeah. I think the Republicans, most of them, hear amnesty and they go, no, for I'm done. For a good reason, though. They may... Well... Because Reagan... No, I think it's not for a good reason. I think the reason they don't want to do it is it means they won't get reelected. It means the Ann Coulter's of the world to go, well, you said amnesty, you're out. Your average Republican, though, remembers what happens when, when, they, when Reagan gave amnesty and it was promised that there would be funding and there would be solutions at the border and it never happened. And that's what they hear. They go, well, we're not talking, we're not talking about um, amnesty until the border. And most of them say this, until the border is secured no, and I then agree. once the border is secured and there are people in here we'll actually talk about amnesty we'll talk about i mean it's not gonna be a blanket amnesty there'll be certain people that will get amnesty some won't some will be shipped the fuck out no i get that but i mean if the two things could happen together they can't I, if you could say look we're gonna secure this borders right now you know here's the gonna, funding it's guaranteed here's right? the funding okay okay and the other half of that There's is no way you can take that funding away right All let's right. start our and you can start building your wall now let's start the amnesty process I, i'm for it yes me too yeah i that 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 is but that's because you got to give something to get something but that is saying that the security comes first the border security comes first because if you guarantee it and you can't take that money away and say whoop pull the rug out from under you afterwards, right that's, well they're simultaneous that's fine though but that 
that's yeah. securing the border. But the the Pelosi-led Democrats have always said, no, first we'll do amnesty, then we'll talk about the but border. But they fucking know it. They know well, that yeah, most absolutely. Republicans will say, you guarantee the border? Guarantee it? No no way to fucking weasel out of it? Absolutely. Let's start Let's start today working on talking about amnesty then. But but uh, the problem with that situation is there's that, that window of time before the border secured that there's going to be a huge rush and flood of... People trying to get into beat Yeah, but them. at least if you said we're going to have border security now, you could say we're going to ship 10,000 troops down there, National yeah. Guard troops. And, and that's all I worry about is the timing of it. Yeah. Because then if you're saying amnesty on one hand and border security on the other, but there's that window time where they go, oh, shit, we better get in there and get our amnesty. It's going to be a disaster. And yeah. more of this shit's going to happen. But see, I think you could you could solve that problem by the kind of amnesty you give. So if your parents came here 15 years ago, you were born here, you... You know, they're not citizens. You are. Um, I think there should be, like, those cases, you should be like, yeah, those kids are in. Well, and I, and I would be for doing that. But then on, on, then you'd have to give a compromise on saying, then from this point forward, no more birthright citizenship. Yeah, maybe. So there'd be a compromise there that they'd be, the left would be unwilling to But at to. least you could do that from some date on. So somebody yeah. could say. Right. It wouldn't be, yeah, it wouldn't be retroactive or anything. It would be. Moving forward. Yeah. yeah. And that would be reasonable, I would think. You could say, no, you could still say we have birthright citizenship, but um, if you come here and you're, if you come here pregnant, you have your kid, yeah, your kid can be a citizen, but you got to go back. So you're going to take your kid with you or? Yes. I don't still don't like that. Yeah. I don't oh, know. Well, I think we're uh, at the end here. Yeah. Sounds like it. So... If you'd like to get a hold of us, if you have any topic suggestions, or if you have any complaints, uh, talk to Rooster. Rooster at breadandcircusespodcast.com. Wait. That's just for fan mail, though. Is that email? Yeah. Yeah, rooster at breadandcircusespodcast.com. What's wrong with me? I don't know. You know what? It's getting late. This is the, our second recorded the list. The list is long. <laughs> uh, if you have any any um, um, anything nice to say, it's crow at breadandcircusespodcast.com. And uh, you can also put topics for us on our Facebook page. It's Bread and Circuses Podcast. See you, bye.